delighted to be joined by Galway WSC boss Billy Cleary. Billy, thanks for coming along to join us today. No, thanks a million for having me, Aaron. I guess we'll we'll start with the the football side. Um, we're not far away now. We're little little under two under two weeks away. Friendlies are back underway. You must be dying just to get back to, back to competitive football instead of playing these friendlies at this stage. Yeah, look, we're two two weeks out, you know, from the start of the season. I suppose we have four and a half weeks, five weeks, weeks of preseason done at the moment. So, yeah, it'd be great to get back into competition mode and getting competitive games going. You know, they're they're not the same as playing your preseason friendlies. But um, but saying that the, the preseason friendlies were taking them very serious and they're they're being competitive as well. So, but like I say, we're just looking forward to getting the league kicked off. Like you've played Shelburne, Piedmont, and Athlone in preseason. You pick two of the top sides. I take it that's just to get the the legs the legs going and get a good workout, is it? Yeah, you look look we're delighted to get the games and appreciate all the clubs, you know, making the effort to play the preseason friendlies, you know, we went down to our Athlone came up to us um there three three or four weeks ago and we played them um again very competitive for, you know, long periods, but we ended up winning the game four 0 you know. But um the game match was competitive. Again, played Shelburne last week, a competitive game, and Pima, you know we're lucky enough to come out with a good result. And yesterday, the, the champions Pima came down to us and you know showed and grounded us really and showed us where we're really at and shows that there's there's a lot of room for improvement. So um, you know they were convincing for four one victory against us yesterday. So um, listen, it's great when you get a good result in a preseason friendly against one of the the good teams, but it's also you know. You, you want the games to be competitive, you know, you want to use as many of your squad as possible and give them as much game time as possible. But um but there's nothing like the competition. There's nothing like when when there's three points at stake and, and that's when, it, when when the players have to perform under pressure. Obviously you've lost a couple of players during the off season, but you've also gained some others. It's strong enough it's a strong it's a strong Algawa side this year though. You like even from watching bits of that preseason friendly against Pima and just look at some of the names you have in there. Like you've you've brought in players like Savannah McCarthy, Amanda Budden. There was talk at the start of the season maybe you wouldn't have made the Burke. I, I see Lucille Abatu and Ashlamini also back into the squad as well. Yeah, look from last year I suppose we have a, a, a big turnover of players. Like you know, I mightn't see it there in the squad list, but we we've lost nine players from last season, which basically it, it equates to like fifty-five starts, starting places, and another I think 50, 50 or sixty substitute appearances over the course of the season, and it's a big hole to fill. Um, but yeah, we were lucky enough to sign you know Savannah and Amanda and. Um, They've come in there. Amanda's come in in the goalkeeping department, obviously. But we have two very good young goalkeepers there, so there'll be competition in that area of the field. And um, Savannah again coming in will add that bit of experience to the group. But it's just uh, it's it's adding competition and experience to the group. We also have I think six players from our under 17s that have signed for our senior squad um, this year. You know, so we have a squad of 21 players. Um, and the introduction of a lot of the under-19s or under-17s players in the last few years, along with the core group of six or seven players that have been with us since since I joined. You know, this is my fourth year, and there's six or seven of the girls have been with me from the very start. So there's always, there's always a turnover. There's always a transition, but it's just trying to develop the group and make them better as a team. You took my next question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask about the 17s, but like the 17s players who are stepping up, they've got a winning mentality. 
they've won both comp- competitions last year. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's a big step, and you know, people can't kid themselves about it. It's it's a big jump up from playing under seventeen soccer and the tempo of the game and the pace of the game. Um, and that's just the pace of the game. And then you have to also factor in the physicality of it. You know, when you're playing, you know, a 17 or in the case, a 16-year-old player against a fully developed 23, 24, 25-year-old, there's poles apart. And when it comes to physicality, there's no competition. Fair enough, technically and tactically, they might be sound, but, um, but the physicality is a, a huge factor in it as well. But like I say, we have, like, six players that we've signed from our 17s, which just shows the good work that's going on at the under-17 level. Um, and saying that there's, there's, a, there's a lot of that under-17 team who have huge potential who could hopefully make the step up again next year. Like, yeah. I would be one who would be advocating for this, and I'd say you probably will too. Over time, we are going to need... There was talk about happening this year, but it didn't materialise. We are going to need an under-19s league, aren't we? Absolutely. Like I think we were one of the, the few clubs that put in an expression of interest for the under-19 league last year and it just dragged on and dragged on and dragged on and there was no decision made. So eventually, you know, we were brought up to a meeting and basically asked if there any more interest and at that stage it was too late. You know, so these things need to be planned out well in advance. We should know this, this season or in the middle of this season at the latest if there's an under-19 because... We'll have a core group of 10 players coming out or our under-17 team this year. And can the 10 of them step up and play senior football? The answer is no, unfortunately. You know, there might be one, two that could possibly do it. But there's a huge gap, you know, that there that needs to be filled. And if it's not done in the near future, we're going we're gonna to lose an awful lot of players to, to other codes. Like it's not even Galway who would lose a lot of players. Like it's happening for a lot of clubs because there just isn't enough clubs for players to actually go and play because there's too many players who leave under 17s every year. So like it's it is vital that we do fill that gap because that's probably one of the core core groups that where you you will tend to lose players from playing football altogether because of that. Yeah, absolutely. But they, it's look they lose it for a number of reasons. You know, a lot of them we have to understand too it's an elite league and the, possibly you know at under 17 level and under 19 level it might be a case of there's too many teams in the league you know that's that's you know if you have 20, 20 under 19 teams across the across the country have we got 250 300 elite players you know no more than the senior league you know we this it's the culture and the environment that they're in we need to be building an elite mindset and get these players training that they're full-time training and I think from my own opinion on the whole thing is the league really needs to start tying in with the universities and and creating an environment that you know playing our under 17 league girls go on to third level education clubs are budding up with universities that will allow them to train five and six times a week to let them become the best they can be to be full-time athletes that that's the only way forward that I can see you know for our league just on that point, like we've seen players like Rihanna Jarrett, especially when she came back from her injury, when she had the opportunity, she was still in, Wex- in IT Carlo, had the opportunity to play football there, train, train most days. And you can see how much that brought her on, got her back to back to her full, to her best. And that sort of thing then it can, was a springboard for her then moving on to further, to further glory. Like I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think Mark Ross said it to me when I spoke to him. He said that, if you take out the main universities, 
the leagues will be in, the league won't be in a lot of trouble, but we need to do more to actually tie up with these. It's great having a lot a lot of clubs like yourselves have NUI, the likes of NUI, Athlone have AIT close by, but we need to be building strong bonds with these because without these bonds, like even things like facilities, sometimes you may need the facilities, whether it be for recovery or or um, rehab stuff, like. It's imperative that we do get these links and sooner rather than later because I know the likes of Galway work hard to get a, a strong link with NUIG. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the near future with the appointment of Mark Scanlon. Like, Mark is, you know, he's worked closely with the universities in the last few years and, look, he's done a fantastic job. You look at the profile of the the, the university league, you know, the, the amount of media, look at their website, look at all the games and the finals being streamed live from Athlone. Um you look at the league launch, the university league launch, you know, all the things are done right, you know. So if Mer, if Mark can, you know, mirror something similar to that with the Women's National League, I have no doubt that things are going to improve drastically. I, absolutely, I agree with you. I think Mark's done great work, especially even things like the Spar Fiber sites. They get absolutely superb coverage, you know, for the primary schools. I would just hope that Mark is given a a role within the Women's National League and it's not just left to the committee. I know the committee are doing some good work, but, you know, people who've had, who've had a success of running competitions, we need them on board because, to be honest with you, as, as we, we've spoke many times about this, it's not all the, the FAI's doing. The, the clubs need to roll on, roll on more as well. And I think if you can have someone like Mark, he could build a great rapport with all the clubs and get all the clubs to, to buy into the vision and to, to really help improve the league. Absolutely. You know, I've heard now over the course of the last few years and look, I'd probably be one of them. It's awful easy point the finger at the FEI. Everybody does it. It's, it's an easy target now in this day and age. But the, the likelihood is the clubs are the ones who need to look after their own issues, their own, their own agenda. They need to push their own club, push the standards. Can't always go and cap in hand to the FEI looking for everything. No, the FEI need to support our league. They need to fund our league. They need to subsidise the clubs. They need to support the clubs. But, like, the clubs shouldn't be running back to the FAI, giving out about training facilities, giving about trivial things. You know, but, and a lot of the clubs do that. And possibly me being one of them. But it's just a case of we need to have a structure in place for the next three to five years, a strategic plan for our league and how we're going to develop it, whether it be the introduction of the 19s, clubs amalgamating with universities and, co and colleges, because from my understanding is that now we're being encouraged to align ourselves with League of Ireland clubs, which, you know, might sound great, but some most of the League of Ireland clubs, the vast majority, they can barely support themselves. Don't mind taking on another... <laughs> burden because that's the way it will be seen you know we have our Shelburne we have our Cork we have our Wexford and you know they, they may use the club banner or the club name but from my understanding is all them clubs they all have totally separate committees for the women's teams you know so I'd say if, if it's if, if it's all centralized to a one club will the women's section be allocated the correct amount of funding that they deserve and need to, to prosper. I doubt it very much. Like it's it and it is, and it is tough for the the women's section to like especially if clubs have to go and raise money. Like we've seen in previous years for the likes of European campaigns where clubs have had to go and do GoFundMe pages and stuff like that. Like it's not easy. So that's why these sort of links can be crucial because realistically 
it's probably one of the only ways that the league will grow. Like, yes, I understand where people say. I understand where people say, oh, it should have a, every club should have a league of every league of Ireland club should have a women's national league team. But as you say, it's not that easy. You know, the cost the cost per per year plus you look at then you're you're taking on the underage structures as well. Like, it's just not it's just not feasible. And I think the one thing that as you you align to, I think there doesn't seem to be a strategic plan for the league as to how it's going to go forward. Like that's the one thing that I think should be done first before we even consider approaching universities or stuff like that. Just have a have a plan that we know where the short, medium, and long term goals are, because at the moment it doesn't look like there is them sort of goals. Who's to blame for that? There's a number of parties to blame for that, as we say. Like it's it's not just all the FAI, but like you look at things, for example. There's no main sponsor for the league this year. They've ended up having to team up with a with a great charity partner in Barrettstown. But there's no actual league sponsor this year. You know, and I know I understand in terms of things like the sponsors, they need to get bang for the book as well. I know we had so hotels for a year, but thankfully, while they haven't renewed the sponsorship with the league, they've continued to do great work with the likes of yourselves because they they get they seem to get value out of working with Galway. Yeah, well, like that, again, going back to last year, the Soul, Soul Hotels came in at the last minute, you know, to sponsor the league, you know, so, you know, Pat McDonough and Una, look, they're a huge sponsor, supporter of our club since the year, year dot, and we really appreciate all the work they do for us, and in fairness to a lot of the clubs last year, any of the functions, any of their pre-matches, they'd stop off at the hotels and give a bit back, but again, it's disappointing when you say, like, we have, we have a huge a huge league, a huge brand. It's growing and developing all the time, and that we can't manage to secure as a sponsor is dis- disappointing. But hopefully that that'll be rectified in the in the near future. But we just need, I suppose, more marketing of the league. You know, whether it be down to the players, whether it be down to the clubs, whether to what, what we can do for our um, our sponsor to sort of give them more profile in our league. But it is it's it's a difficult time. You know, across the across the academy to go out and secure a sponsor but um, again it's, it's something we really need to, to kick on and make the make the league viable absolutely because like funding especially in this day and age with every sport it's 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 hard to come by like you, there's a there's a fight for sport whether it be for capital grants and stuff like that so i think that's why like i often say this and i probably get i'll probably get criticized for saying it but i don't think the likes of so some clubs I'm not going to say all clubs because some are great, some are in terms of they don't help themselves in, in ter- raising the profile that they won't, they aren't as engaging on social media. You might see the odd thing when there's a game on, but then again, during the build-up to the week, sometimes you don't see anything from them. But again, I suppose, even from the players' point of view, there's a lot that the players can do within the league. And again, it could be something that we, again, need support with or the FEI could help us with, that they come out and give us workshops for all our players to try and help us build the profile of the league through the players. Because the players are the league. Like It was, cool. it was great to see um, the league launch there again on Friday, or the, the, the relaunch, I should say, when the, the players were brought up and there was a photo shoot and a couple of interviews done. I'm sure they'll be sent out in the next couple of weeks and in drips and drabs just to keep the keep the profile of the league fresh but um yeah it's 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 just this we just need support you know and in, in things the clubs can't do you know and again that's not knocking anything because the fei in fairness to them they've put in a lot of money to the clubs now in the in the last few weeks with the COVID 19 repayments to help the clubs along but again 
my reading of it again is like that's a one soft sort of thing this year but the club needs that sort of funding every year like we have a huge threat to our league going forward we have players who are being lost out of the game because we have no under 19s we have players that are heading over to America in their droves like absolutely when you take the amount of quality players that we're losing out of our league you know it's only going to be detrimental to the long-term future of the league. While it's a huge opportunity for the players to go to the States, to go on a scholarship over there, why can't we offer similar here? I know back back in the day when I was young, I think it was Noel King reintroduced a scholarship scheme that was run through League of Ireland clubs. I see the PFAI have something similar where they do a partnership with players who are going on doing third-level education and they subsidise them or support them. I don't know the details of it, but I know there's something there. And surely to God, we can have three, four scholarships per club in the year that whether they receive, you know, a bursary, you know, some funding, a, a laptop, anything at all to help them along the way. You know, that there has to be something there that, you know, you're not helping the club, you're not supporting, you're, you're sponsoring an individual with their education. These are the types of things we need to start thinking outside the box to support the players. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Like, especially you look at, as you said, scholarships to America. Like, if you're you're one of these young 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 teenagers or even early twenties, and you're getting this opportunity, everything's paid for you to go play football in America. Like, it is. It's very hard for them to turn down, especially yeah. when there isn't anything for them over this side in terms of the same sort of scholarships. You know, or same sort of opportunities you know because yeah let's be honest players some players who you see getting scholarships to america all of a sudden over here the same player might not be offered any scholarship absolutely but you also have to the flip side of it players are losing opportunities as well because i think it was last year a couple of players i know a couple of players they weren't released to play for the ireland under 19 team it was actually a case last year where one of the players wasn't released to play for the senior international team yeah. So, like, how can that be right? You know, from from just a player's perspective, that you're de- denied the opportunity to play for your country. Like, you look at the example of, I think Lucia Lobato was one, um, Megan Mackey was another, who who are both based in the states. I don't think they were either of them were released for the first phase of the of the under 19s and they, they ended up not even getting a relief phase. So that meant their their last year of international underage international was nearly almost curtailed. Yeah, that's obviously, you know, you, you make a decision and you have to live with the consequences of it. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just see the value of it. Surely to God, we can offer something to these players that'll not to give them an opportunity or let them make a choice. You know, but when we have nothing in place, then it's a given. Look, there'll be players going over to the States that get scholarships and they're not offered anything here. And even the scholarships that are here, they're... They're minimal, do you know? They're minimal, but it's, we we just need to start trying to think outside the box to make life better for these players. People don't realise, you know, you're a women's national league coach or manager, and whether it be Graham or Tom or James or any of us, we're in a lucky position. Like for me down here, I'm I'm in the last five years I've been dealing with 15, 20 international players. 
they're into like one of the highlights of me managing Gaw Women's FC. We we had five players represent our club and in UIG at the World Student Games where they were seven eight minutes from getting a, a bronze medal. You know, at one stage last year we had seven players in the Irish under nineteen international squad, which is massive for us, massive for the club. But that's that's the level of player we're dealing with and. The guys up in Piedmont, Shelburne, Cork, Limit, we're all in the same boat. In most of the clubs, they have some form of international representation. If I was managing in the men's game, would I have that opportunity? The answer is no, you know, that, because that's the level of player we're dealing with. Well, like, and that's, as you do say, like, that's a, even, even for us being involved with the league, you get that privilege of being around these sort of players, you know, like, and, and you build up great rapports with them over the time. And, when you go, when we go looking for stuff, 96 percent of the time, the players jump at when we ask them to do stuff, you know, and, and that's a building report. And like I always, I, I I'll refer back to her again. I used her earlier. Rihanna Jared is the prime example. When Rihanna had that unbelievable performance against Ukraine and Tala, and everybody was tweeting about her, everybody was, you know, she was all over social media, and you just write back to some people. You're like, we've been watching that for the last couple of years. You know, we have all this on our doorstep. And it's it's frustrating that we maybe don't get the exposure, whether it be crowds or, or even sometimes in the papers, that these girls deserve. Because like, it's, all, it's all on our doorstep. And I think everybody, as you say, we all need to do a lot more to to promote them. Because maybe if we if we promote them more, maybe colleges might get involved even more. You know, this, it, it's, it's a tough one. And... It's disappointing when you see so many players go. Okay, we can use twenty twenty as a as a blip year in terms of so many players not being able to go back or or go because of COVID. But who's to say that so many of these may not go next year? We may may not even have doubled the influx of players leaving the league next year that, that because they didn't go this year. And and again, it's something that needs to be discussed and talked about. You know, at at the FBI level, do you know? Because it is, it will have a, knock, a massive knock-on effect to the likes of Dave Connell and his under-19 squad if there's a, a mass amount of players heading off to the States because will they have the budget or the capacity to be able to bring these players back for our, our international team to go and compete? You know, and I'm sure it's something that Dave has talk, talked about. But that, look, it's not all anti-good girls going to the States because for some of the girls... It's a lifestyle choice. It's something they may not want to do. It's something that they've always aspired to do. And happy days. But for, for other girls, it's just say, Jesus, I'd love to be in a position that I could train full time here and fulfill my potential and be the best I could be in Ireland. And by linking up with the universities and, this, and the colleges, you're getting all this opportunity. You're getting the support structures in place, access to physios, access to strength and conditioning coaches, access to video analysis uh, suites. You can, and then along, um, work in parallel with your club that you can train five times a week as per what the international managers are all always harping on about. Right. And that's the easiest way to do it. And it's tough though. Like it's, it, it's tough to, without these link-ups, it's tough for the players, even at international level, to actually be able to facilitate the five nights a week training because there's no way that clubs can do it, you know. So home-based sessions are great, but you know it's it's that's that that in itself is if you're asking a player to travel from somewhere in the country to say Dublin for a home-based session, like 
that defeats the purpose as well, having them in cars for several hours. Like it's that I, I personally think unless we do get some sort of link with universities, we're never gonna develop the league because League of Ireland we can have twenty League of Ireland clubs come on board, have a women's national league team, but that's just gonna be twenty twenty clubs who'll be looking to stretch their budget. But then again, as you said earlier, they may not have the opportunity to provide all the facilities, all the amenities and requirements that are there. They just some may just do it because it may become a licensing issue. You know, where we won't get the full benefit of it. Whereas a university, if we can have scholarships and things like that, it it opens up a lot more doors. I, I believe. It, it's just like for for that to work with any of the League of Ireland clubs, like our club, we train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning. That's our that's our training schedule for the week. And so if if we were to to buddy up with a League of Ireland club, they have an under 13, 15, 17, 19 and senior team all train or trying to train over the one facility. Yeah, there's only so many time slots in the week you can have for for players to train. There's only so much wear and tear on a pitch or a facility anything can take. Whereas us now as a standalone unit Fair enough, we use a council pitch and we're delighted to have it and we use NUIG at other, other times and we use two separate gyms. But they're all agreements we've made. You know, it's impossible, I would say, for a League of Ireland club to, to come in and offer our club that or be able to logistically make that happen. Maybe it, maybe it is possible, but time will tell. Like, I won't, I won't name the club, but I know one, one club who's... League of Ireland club who trains out of a, a university, and then their women's their women's side train out of a, a completely different complex, twenty kilometers away, you know, just because and and they're paying for both facilities because they don't have their own training yeah. ground. Yeah, well, we'd be in a similar situation down here, and you know, like like I'm I'm a Galway United man. I've played for Galway United fifteen years, and Galway United are the same. You know, we've no home. No, no, don't own AM and DC Park the same as uh, Galway Women's FC. When we go, we use the facility and we, we, pay, we pay to use the facility. You know, so there's a lot of clubs in that situation around the, the country that, you know, not alone are they paying for the training facility, they're actually playing in the ground, they actually playing. They're just tenants. Yeah. So, and we'd be, we'd be the same down here. And that all adds up. I want to talk a little bit about, um, obviously, if you, you link up with, you do a lot of stuff on performance analysis. With Evan Air Sports, talk to me a little bit about that link up. You can see Huddle is on your shorts. Talk to me a little bit about that link up and and using the performance analysis stuff because it's becoming key to everyday everyday sport. Yeah, I suppose. Look, um, we've been working with Evan Air for the last four years, you know, and again, it all come about, I suppose, through links through the FEI and the coach education um, department, you know, which is been usually beneficial to me in in my time. Um, you know, coming through all the, the coaching badges. But yeah, I suppose it's, it's a big thing. And the FEI again got in behind it with Avenir and they give um, a package out to the clubs that they could use the video analysis software where we upload the games. And again, it's hugely beneficial for um, for all the players. Now, not everybody uses it. <laughs> not everybody uh, has used it to its full potential. But again, it's it's just again something for the players, you know, that the fact that they have access to it, you know, remotely on their phone, that they can go and look at their own individual clips, look at their own individual performance and the team, and we can clip the games into different sections and analyze the opposition. 
But it, it, again, it's just bringing the game to another level for the players that some of them may never have had access to it before. And um, look, it's a, it's a vital tool and it's the way the game is going. Um, and again, now it's got to the stage where you can have shared meetings like your Zoom meetings through Huddle if you wanted to. Um, and you can talk to groups together if you if you want to. Again, it's not something we've gone done yet or go down, but it's, again, it's it's another add-on and things are improving all the time. Again, again with the FEI and what Y Scout are coming on board again, sponsoring all the clubs this year. But look, the guys up in Avenir are they're, they're, they're first class. Like they just any time you're, I wouldn't be the most uh, IT literate, but you're stuck. You need a you need a, any help or support or anything. They're they're put a phone call away to, to, to guide you. But um, but again, I hope just all the, the clubs use it again this year and everyone is quite happy to, to share all the, the games and the clips because like any piece of software, it's only as good as the information you put into it. And um, I know when years gone by, everybody wasn't utilising it to its full potential. They didn't want to share games, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to all come together and use it to its full potential this year. You, may, you mentioned coach education I don't think they get enough praise for the work they do in terms of like the amount of stuff that they do in terms of, you know, like the, the courses they put on, everybody says they're expensive, but everybody I've spoke to about the courses say that they all give the feedback that you get value for money and they really put a lot into making sure we do develop good coaches. Well, the best part about the FAI, without a shadow of a doubt, is the coach education department. Um, Niall O'Regan, you know, Jason Donoghue, uh, all the tutors that come on to Paul Ozem, so all the international under-19 managers, you know, um, Tom Mohan, Colin O'Brien, they're, they're first class. And we, we don't, um, we don't appreciate the work they're doing because I know for myself, I'd be, you know, it's it's a common term used out of your comfort zone, but when you go on doing them courses, you are out of your comfort zone. You know, you're with your peers, people you possibly played with, played against, and um, you're putting a, a situation, environment where you're not the most comfortable. Um, but like for me, look, if I went down, I done the elite license there two two and a half years ago, and um, I remember after day one, I was Jesus, what have I let myself in for? But um, I learned so much out of it, and it comes down to the guys who were on it and the guys who done the course with me. But um, again, anybody who wants to go down the route of coach education, the the FEI's coach education department, Niall O'Regan and the lads, absolutely top class. Couldn't recommend it enough. So um, yeah, look, hats off to the guys, and uh, I think um, it's one of the, the shining lights of the FEI is the coach education department. Like even even the way they're working to promote more to get more female coaches involved is brilliant because we need more of them. We can't always be over reliant as much as it, it, the game is dominated at the moment by by male coaches in, in the League of Ireland, in the Women's National League. But you can see even the assistant coaches, there's more and more coming through that are female, even at underage, you're seeing more and more coaches. Like the fact that they're now providing free UEFA B licensed coaches courses for female only, like they really are trying to push participation in female sport. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's, it has to be done and we have to push. Like I'm looking up down here, I have Maz Sweeney with me, uh, Elena Morden with me, I have Vimer Flatley with me, you know, three top female coaches down here and they're all involved in our, our senior setup down here and under 17 setup. 
So we're trying to promote that within our club and encourage girls to to go on and be 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 the best they can be. Um, but it's you also have to the flip side. There's a lot of male coaches who, for the last you know number of years, have put a huge amount of time and effort into the 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 female game. And why we want to encourage all the female coaches, it has to be the best person for the job. Absolutely. And 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 that you know that goes without saying. Like I don't think there's any female coach out there who wants a job out of sympathy. No, you do, you do it because you're good enough and you're the best person for the job who applies for the job and wants the job and has the desire for the job. And like that, in the last, in the last number of years, how many, how many pro badges have we in this country? I don't think you know. You're there. You're saying, "Geez, we we have so much coaching talent in this country." And I don't believe the guys who are there, your Tom Owens, your Colin O'Brien's, your Jim Crawford's, your Paul O'Zim, your Stephen Kinney, going on. We have enough talent and talent pool in this country to run all our international teams. I don't think we need to be looking outside the box for anyone. Like I think there's, I think after the recent course, there was 96 qualified pro licensed coaches. Yeah, and, and there's 96 qualified pro licensed coaches. There's only a handful of League of Ireland jobs out there. You know, for, for them 96, I'm sure a lot of them are chomping at the bit to get back into work. And even there, I've seen Stephen Rice involved in the last, uh, with, uh, with Tom O'Connor, the last top class coach you know love, love to see him getting involved in the, the international game or any of the other guys in the pro license these guys have a wealth of knowledge and they have a lot to offer you know if the jobs were there and I don't think you know everybody seems to be down the road of encouraging female coaches and it has to be a female coach it's, it's the best person for the job we want our players to get the best and if the best is a female coach so be it if the best is a male coach so be it you know you can't we we all want gender equality, but we all want the best person for the job. Absolutely, but like even even in terms of coaching itself, like not necessarily even looking at national league, there's so many ample opportunities for female coaches throughout throughout the world of football. Whether whether it be some of them go abroad, some of them get involved with the likes of gainer cup sides. Like there's there's ample opportunities, and that's why, as you say, it's always important that we do have the best coach for the for the best role. But the thing is, everybody looks at coaching. And it may while everybody can't always get to the elite level, people there's always ample opportunities even for coaches. Whether it be if you have to start down at the lower levels and work your way up, and I think that's where you look at some coaches and some of the better, some of the good coaches. They haven't always been at the top level. They've worked their way up, and when they get to the top, they're ready for the experience. But that's where you learn, you know. Even even now, like like I I played. At a mediocre level for 15 years, and when I when I finished playing, I suppose I went in and I done a, a League of Ireland underage team. But sure, I was only starting. Now that I that was the start of my learning from the coaching side of it. I was lucky enough to get involved in a college team and again or, or a Kennedy Cup team, and you're learning all the time. But you have to start somewhere. So if if someone has the skills get set to do it and they have the desire to do it. You know, and the passion to do it, get in there early and get involved in your gainer cups. And you, every day is a learning day. You learn more, especially in the female game. You learn more and more every day. And then you're building up a, a skill set to deal with any of the situations that may arise. But I'm four years in, involved in the Women's National League. And there's not a day that goes by that I something different isn't thrown at me. And you have to, you know, improvise. You have to navigate your way through difficult situations. And 
just try to keep improving the team and the group and the club as you go along. Billy, I guess we'll we'll finish off with the, with this one because it's something that me and me and you have had a chat about off the record as well, and there's been a little bit of anger regarding social media as well. Cup finals are moving out of the Aviva Stadium. It hasn't been 100% confirmed if the men's is coming out as well. There is potential talk that it is going to come out. Women's going to Tala. If it's a one-off, I think people would understand if it is potentially a financial reason. But if it's a permanent thing, I don't think players would be too happy. I agree with you, Aaron. Listen, my first thoughts on it, if, if it's a financial thing and both the men's and women's are coming out of the Aviva this year because of COVID-19 and for financial reasons, I don't think anyone can argue with that in the current climate but if it's a case of it's coming out permanently and the men's isn't then I think it's a massive backward step for the women's game you know like and not alone for the women's I'm involved managing Go Women's FC and from a selfish point of view I want to manage in the Aviva I want to manage in our national stadium I know all of our players do down here and I know there's been um, um, uh different reasons why some people are in favour and some people aren't but look over the course of the last number of years all I've seen at the women's FA Cup final is slowly but surely there's been an increase in numbers it's getting better the players are getting more profile things are improving slowly but surely so I think it's a step to come back if they were if they're worried about crowd if they're worried about people attending you know with a 12 o'clock kickoff Think outside the box again. Flip it around. Why not play in the women's final after the men's final? Yeah. Then, then you might get an overflow of people staying to watch the game. And you, if, you, if you're serious about raising the profile of the game, why not do that rather than taking it out altogether? Like we've seen, we've seen in the UK, we'll switch sport for a second, but in rugby, we've seen in, in England, they've often played the women's Six Nations games after a men's Six Nations game. And you do get a, a spillover crowd. Like if it's if it's a case of cleaning up stuff like the uh, the stuff they fire into the air with the celebrations and stuff like that, they're all on long strings. That'll only take a couple of minutes. Like even if it's a case that it is after, keep the bars open. People 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 would be intent to stay inclined to stay. But one suggestion from a colleague who does stuff with myself has has said he'd be in favour of the women's final potentially not being played on the same day as the men's final. He'd be intention. He'd be inclined to say. It deserves its own day, and India Viva. Yeah, possibly, but are, are we are we there yet? Is is the question? You know, are are we there? And uh, at the moment, you know, you're thinking maybe four to five thousand people coming in for the women's game. We're not at. I don't think we're at that level yet. No, it might be a case of where you could you could marry it up with possibly if there's an under nineteen or an under seventeen league of Ireland, and all the finals are played in one day, something similar to what the GA do where they play a few of the finals one after the other and they have a lot of school kids coming in to create an atmosphere, you know, to get them involved, show them their aspiring stars that are out there that they'd aspire to be, then maybe. But it's, again, there's, there's loads of different ways of doing it. But I just think for the occasion and the day that's in it, to, you know, to marry up the two on the one day, it makes it a big occasion. I'm yeah. sure if you talk to James or Tom last year when they had the, when they had the good fortune to be up there, I'm sure they wouldn't change it. I'm sure they want to be there again this year. But like you look at um you just mentioned it there at the the ladies' football finals. Ladies' championship games don't get great crowds. But then as soon as the, the big day comes, the promotion rolls around as soon as the finalists are known. And 
everybody rolls in behind it, whether it be people from counties that aren't even involved in it, they all roll in behind it because it's the big day out. Like that's something we can create is if 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 something was that to happen. Like I agree with you, if there is a nineteens league, someone else said that if there's a nineteens and play the seventeens final on the same day as well and make it a festival of football for women's football because it is gonna take time to grow. We're all aware of that. It's not gonna reach the massive crowds overnight, but it's something that we need to work on and I think playing in the Aviva Stadium Everybody loves it. It's on television as well. Okay, the crowds for the women's game, because the way the structures may not look great, but I agree with you. It is building every year, and the noise level is building as well. Like One thing that we don't always see, especially and the television cameras don't always see because we're in the main stands, is that sometimes below us, you can hear a lot of, you can hear noise of people from certain sections of the club's itself where they're not always over the other side or they're sitting in the premium just below the, the press box you know so like it's it, it will take time and I just think that every player should every player does a strive to, strive to play in the Aviva and I think that's where we should be playing these sort of competitions and we should be playing them in the biggest stadium it's the same thing I would make the same argument for the League Cup final that the League Cup final shouldn't be played in a home team's venue it should be played in one of the League of one of the top League of Ireland stadiums and let them, you know, give the girls that opportunity to walk out of the League of Ireland Stadium instead of playing it in a, in a home women's national league venue. Yeah, look, I'd agree with a lot of that, Aaron. But it comes back to the whole thing with the with the women's national league. We have women's national league teams aligned to League of Ireland clubs, and they don't even play their their league matches in the in the club stadium. Whether it be, I don't, I'm not sure the situation with the likes of Bohemians, a breath of fresh air, delighted to have them in. Are they going playing in Daly Mount Park? I'd ask the question, why? You know, even like Shelburne, on and off, they play some games there more often than not. It's out in the AUL. Why? You know, these these, these are part of it. And it, and again, if you're going down the route of, you know, your licensing with clubs, it should be a given as part of the licensing. Is If you're coming in here, your Shamrock Rovers, hypothetically, were to put a team into the, into the Women's National League, they should have to play in... In Tallinn, and not in Roadstock. You know, if, if we're serious about it or we just want to give things pillow, pillow talk, that's that's the reality of it. Like, uh, again, going back to that, a couple of years ago, I was talking, I've been meeting with our committee here and knowing how tight things were financially and the cost of just even playing in our stadium down here. One of, and it was me that proposed it. it was, uh, would it not be, would we not be so much better off to play somewhere else? And it would have cut. And in fairness, they shot me down straight away. It's absolutely not. It's we're playing a game in DC Park, Torreyland Park. That is our home. That is our base. That's where all the girls in our locality. That's where they aspire to play. To play, we play. I firmly believe in the best ground in the country. You know the best pitch. You know Pimo came down and played us yesterday. Pitch is like a billiard table. Absolutely great stadium. Good changing facilities. Good stand. And if we're serious about it, we're setting standards. Like I know Athlone are going playing in Athlone Town Stadium, brilliant, you know. But all the clubs coming in that have affiliated or legal, that's where we should be starting. We can't go again running to the FEI, you know, about <laughs> different things. Like we want to go and play in the Aviva Stadium because that's the way it's been for the last number of years. I think it's a backward step. But then we have to say any clubs coming in are 
League of Ireland clubs that are getting involved. We need to be playing in the, the main stadiums and the main grounds around the country to raise the pro the profile of the game and give the players, the international players, the elite players in this country, the players who have given up their time and effort and train as much as some of the League of Ireland clubs, the opportunity to play in the best stadiums in the country. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And just to your point, Bowes will be, Bowes will be using the Oscar Trainer Centre in Kulok. They won't be playing in, in Daily Man. There was talk potential one or two games will be there. But I do agree with you. I agree with you that point that that's the first thing that needs to be looked at. I've, like we, we have seen in recent years, Shells have moved. To, they're now saying they're going to play all games in Talca Park. But we've seen last season they moved two or three away because they were the stadium wasn't available. So, like, that one, I think that that needs to be getting order straight, especially if you are affiliated with a club that you're playing in the main stadium that you're not playing. Same, same being, I know it'll be slightly different for Cork City because Cork City will use the argument that they don't own Turner's Cross, so that's therefore they can't. It would cost them to to play in it. But the same thing, same principle applies for for Galway WFC that used to pay to use M and DC Park. Yeah, it is. It's all about standards. We want to create a standard and maintain a standard and the standard at the moment for the FAI has been the Aviva Stadium so I think it's a drop in standard me personally but listen look Rome wasn't built in a day there's been a lot of positives in our of the Women's National League in the last few years across across a load of different spectres you know with the, the likes of Avenir coming on board Scout, um, the coach education for all the players you know the standard that the Ginbert play the introduction of so many younger players into the league and the standard of play in general has really come on. So um, there's a lot of positives in our league, but you know we can really we're in a position now that we can really kickstart things. You know, and I hope that the appointment to I think Mark to 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 the league will will really start to push things forward. So um, looking forward to what's ahead. Absolutely. Um... Just want to wish you the best of luck for the opening day of the season. You are at home to DLR Waves and I look forward to catching you early in the season. Thanks for joining me today, Billy. Thanks, Aaron.